Jimmy Deans. Not a real thing. Presents the yearbook. It's an internet sportscast. Says in the yearbook at Hotmail.com to contact us. Yep. So now other Major League Baseball teams are allegedly wondering how the Blue Jays are spending so much money on all their offseason acquisitions. The Blue Jays who sometimes have a small enough payroll to qualify as low revenue, in other words, uh, one of baseball's poor teams, have spent almost $190 million this offseason on new players. The long story here is the COVID took a big bite out of Major League Baseball. All because of the COVID, the 2020 season was shortened, which meant ticket and concessions revenue never happened broadcasting, et cetera, revenue was down by about two-thirds. And says the New York Daily News, almost every baseball team lost around $100 million. That supposedly affected team budgets, which made it suspicious that the Blue Jays could then spend close to $200 million this winter. P.S. Toronto is owned by media giant Rogers, which also carries the team's games. And Rogers maybe didn't make the Blue Jays give back any of last year's media revenue, despite the fact that there were fewer games to broadcast. Toronto also is not currently paying into revenue sharing, which MLB's big budget teams are required to do. So while the usual suspects all pay into revenue sharing, the usual suspects are wondering if the Blue Jays are spending that Rogers money that they should be putting back into revenue sharing. Revenue sharing is supposed to help raise up MLB's small fries. So far, revenue sharing hasn't helped. Time for a baseball salary cap, but that's a whole other podcast. Okay. I'm not a lawyer. And shady accounting is what all pro teams allegedly do. But if Rogers and Toronto did some shady accounting to protect tens of millions in cash from going into revenue sharing, then the Blue Jays as a big spender, should pay up. Important disclaimer, if there are rules in place to help Toronto manage the U.S.-Canada exchange rate, then maybe the Blue Jays should not pay up. But just say Rogers and the Blue Jays should pay up. It's every team's right to ask questions. They should all be playing by the same rules. And if the Glamour teams are right, then Rogers and the Blue Jays should comply. The richest baseball teams aren't cheating. We've never said they're cheating. They're just playing by the rules the way they're set up in MLB and they're set up to tilt toward the big markets. The unfortunate fallout for teams like the Dodgers here is now it looks like there is a clear pecking order and the good teams are upset because suddenly some newcomer has money. And this is happening at the exact same time. All of baseball is crying COVID poverty. We can't possibly spend any money. There is no money to spend. You don't understand. We had to get rid of a bunch of minor league teams. We had to shorten the draft. And at that exact same moment, the big money teams are saying, if we got the Rodgers rate, we could dump an unlimited amount of money into our payrolls too. This is also unintentionally funny because in Toronto, Rodgers has previously been criticized for not putting enough money into the Blue Jays. If this were a real podcast, this is the part where there'd be some cool music or some slow-moving music, and I'd say something like, our next story comes to us from... Let me start with this. With sports in a pandemic, safety is the biggest thing. I am really excited for everything to come back the way it was, but not when it's too risky to anyone's future health. I am not advocating that anyone risk anyone's safety by playing during a pandemic. So the following is not a complaint as much as an observation. Spring college football. It's not like we thought. 
almost every big time Division One A college football team already played last fall, and they played along with some scattered teams from Division One Double A, such as Central Arkansas and Stephen F. Austin. There weren't a lot, but there were a small bunch of them. Every other level of college football was looking to play a spring schedule, like beginning at the end of this month. That is literally hundreds of college football teams playing spring regular season games. It's a dream come true. This is awesome. But that raised questions about if hundreds of football teams are playing real games, does anyone notice? Would the media actually cover King football that includes everyone except the big time? Or would real-life spring football get buried by big-time college baseball? But publicity-starved small schools having all of football all to themselves this spring might not quite happen for two reasons. First, opt-outs. So far, a noticeable number of eligible schools have opted to avoid football completely until next fall. The most famous of these schools might be the entire Ivy League. Uh, The others are mostly colleges that are not as well-known, at least for football. Georgetown's conference, the Patriot League, is returning, but the Hoyas are not until next fall. Uh, Among several others, Indiana State and Dayton are out. Marist and St. Francis, Pennsylvania are out. Uh, Alcorn State might be out. Second are the teams that opted out but still might play a little. Now, this affects some bigger names. In general, the various leagues are having their member schools play a shorter schedule of around six games this spring, and then would come the NCAA playoffs. But five schools opted out of the football-mad Big Sky Conference. Four of them, Montana State, Montana, Portland State, and Northern Colorado, will instead play only two games maximum against whoever this spring. So those schools will be playing, but they're essentially sticking to what would be a normal spring practice schedule just with a couple of actual games thrown in, and they are not eligible for the NCAA playoffs. Now that still leaves a lot of teams who could be playing. There's something like 127 total teams in Division I AA alone. But until the season actually gets here, we won't know for sure. Plus, at least some of the Division II and Division Three football schools don't at least give the impression that they're coming back. By the way, if this is not your time of year, if you hate football and you're like, I can't stand it, all the headlines are football, it's football this, football that, I can't take it, I don't give a damn about the stupid bowl. All right, while you're making that complaint, just keep in mind that every year, two-thirds of the country does not watch the Super Bowl. You're in the majority So the Tampa Bay Buccaneers become the first Super Bowl team to actually play the game at home. Others have come close, as in the 49ers playing the Super Bowl in the Bay Area and the L.A. Rams playing the Super Bowl in Pasadena. Both those teams were GPS close. Uh, They played the game in their home markets, but not their home stadiums. So the Buccaneers are now the answer to the long-awaited answer to the trivia question, who would be the first team to do it. And quarterback Tom Brady, the greatest of all time, now is the first of all time to have Super Bowl home field advantage. Does that mean if he loses, he's terrible? Seriously, I mean, he has to win now, right? He can't lose or else. 
Also, the Buccaneers, unfortunately, again, opted. This was before the season started. They again opted not to go back to their old orange and white color scheme and instead turned the clock all the way back to eight years ago in bringing back the pewter and red uniforms this season. Supposedly, the pewter and red was brought back at least partially because those are the uniforms from Tampa Bay's most successful era. They won the Super Bowl wearing those in 2003. Now the team looks like geniuses, reintroduce their Super Bowl uniforms, immediately go right back to the Super Bowl. Although, after signing Brady and already having a really good defense on hand and already having a decent coach on hand, the Buccaneers could have made the Super Bowl anyway wearing the University of South Florida's uniforms. USF is in Tampa. And that's exactly what they should have done. How cool would that have been to see the Buccaneers play the Chiefs in HD with 100 million cameras on hand wearing USF's green and gold? And if you're worried about, well, we don't, hey, we're not turning the Buccaneers into the Packers. USF's green is a lot lighter and the gold is a lot darker. It's not yellow. That would have been amazing. <laughs>